Republicans in Michigan have announced they are seeking the impeachment of Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer for a litany of abuses pertaining to the initial COVID lockdown, notably that she violated people's constitutional rights when she shut the state down. And even when the state legislature and even when the state Supreme Court said you can't do this, she said too bad. I'm going to do it anyway. It was only after her AG, the Michigan AG, said that she was no longer going to enforce this lockdown did anything actually start to change. But now we're hearing she is once again going to be instituting a lockdown in Michigan, which seems strange to me that she can just keep doing this. Well, as many of you know, Whitmer was the uh, politician targeted by a group of extremists who wanted to kidnap her, were actually staking out, I believe it was a vacation home. And from this, we are now seeing absurd articles like one from USA Today saying, stop trying to get Gretchen Whitmer killed. Amazing. By calling out despotic authoritarianism and calling for a legal challenge, they're now trying to imply that we are trying to get this woman killed who's just trying to protect us. My friends across this country, the COVID lockdowns are coming back in full force. We're already starting to see panic buying in many different states. And it seems like this is illogical. There were many states that didn't lock down that did fine. There were many states that did lock down and they were the worst. I mean, look at New York. They're the worst. There are even countries like Sweden that didn't lock down and were doing fine. But now Sweden is seeing a rapid increase in cases and many other states are seeing a rapid increase as well. One of the biggest problems with this is that the test they give in many circumstances is completely inaccurate. There's one story about a woman, uh, her name, I, th I think her name is Erica Badu. She's a famous singer. She got tested in both nostrils and the left nostril was negative and the right was positive. Then you have Elon Musk saying he got four tests, two were positive, two were negative. Doesn't seem to be all that reliable. So when we look at the death count and it's not spiking like it did earlier this year, perhaps there's something wrong with the testing. I don't know. Either way, the fact that certain states that didn't lock down also saw a spike in cases, but didn't before. And the states that did maybe did worse. Lockdowns don't seem to make all that much sense. Yet still, here we are. I want to say something. Did you think that when the authoritarians came, they wouldn't have a reason? I know I said this in some other videos. Maybe you've seen me say it. They are trying to exploit this crisis for power. And that's the only explanation, in my opinion, as to why someone like Gretchen Whitmer would reject the will of the people these other branches of government and, con and, and, and court order saying it's unconstitutional. Certainly, she doesn't care about that. She just wants power because she knows what's better to protect the people. Well, the science doesn't necessarily support it. And the World Health Organization has already said lockdowns should only be a last resort. Yet here we are. Perhaps this will result in the impeachment of someone like Gretchen Whitmer. And that's what we need. You know, these crazy guys who wanted to kidnap her or whatever. It just goes to show you that was one of the dumbest things anyone could po possibly do because it's only empowered her and her supporters. It's a fact. The courts won. The courts sided against her. The system is working. Now she faces impeachment. The system, it's working. We have, I, I gotta, I gotta say, I'm really impressed with how this system works. Now, we'll see how things play out for sure. But what these guys were doing only empowered her because now she's going, look, they're trying to stop me. And this ridiculous article comes out, stop, stop trying to get her killed. No, no one's trying to get her killed. I wish for her absolute safety and security. And I'm glad the FBI stopped these guys. But I also think that she's authoritarian. 
And I think she's a bad person. And I believe impeachment is appropriate. End of story. Well, actually not end of story. I got to read you a bunch of this news because, well, the lockdown's coming back and I'm kind of confused at how, how that could be considering I thought it was unconstitutional. Before we get started, let's read the story from The Hill as they seek to impeach Whitmer. Before we do, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give. I've got a P.O. box. You want to send me some stuff. But the best thing you can do is share this story. Why? Look, people need to know that there is a path to a redress of grievances or recourse in dealing with these politicians that seek to subvert the Constitution. There are crazy people out there. The solution is legal and through the courts, and it seems to be working for the most part. We also need to vote these people out, by the way. And you're probably better off with someone like Christy Nome in South Dakota, who's refusing to lock everybody down. Hey, it's a good reason to let people know what's going on, I suppose, so we can improve the system because we've done a pretty good job of it over the past couple hundred years. But also don't forget to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and let's read the story from The Hill. They say, Michigan State Rep Matt Maddock said on Sunday that he and a growing list of Michigan legislators will work to impeach Gretchen Whitmer. Maddox said fellow Republican state reps Dare Rendon, Bo LaFave, Ryan Berman, Shane Hernandez and John Riley were among the lawmakers who would pursue Whitmer's impeachment. He tweeted today, myself and a growing list of Michigan legislators have decided that Governor Whitmer has crossed the line and will be calling for impeach Whitmer hearings. The list of violations is long and the call is overdue. This announcement comes a day after Michigan health officials announced new targeted restrictions set to begin on Wednesday that affect bars, restaurants and schools. Restaurants and bars will be allowed to operate only outdoor dining and all high school and college classes must be conducted remotely. The new restrictions come amid rising COVID-19 cases in Michigan and across the country. Michigan recorded 499 new cases of COVID-19 on the 15th, according to a tracker. Whitmer defended her authority to issue a second stay-at-home order in response to a tweet from the White House coronavirus advisor, Scott Atlas, that called for Michiganders to rise up. Whitmer said, we really all need to be focused on the public health crisis that is ravaging our country and that poses a very real threat to every one of us. I'm going to stop you right there, Miss Whitmer, and say one of the most important things that bears repeating. These people are exploiting a crisis for power in violation of of our actual laws. They're despots. They're authoritarians. They don't care about protecting you. They care about maintaining their power. When a referendum was, well, people, so I believe people were gathering signatures to strip her powers. She said, don't take my powers from me. Yeah. Anybody who's like, I must keep my power. I have to wonder what their real intent is. Because if you're actually here to serve the people as a public servant representing them, If they say we're going to fill out a bunch of petitions so that you can see we don't want you doing this, I'd be like, absolutely. That'd be me. I would say absolutely, please. If you can find a certain number of people saying that you don't want me to enact these things, by all means, it's your choice. It's a free country. At least it is when you don't live in Michigan, I suppose. Republicans hold a slim majority in the state house. A majority of the house would need to vote to impeach Whitmer. In a longer post on his Facebook page, Maddox listed all the reasons he believed Whitmer deserved to be removed from office, including ignoring court orders, violating our constitutional rights, completely ignoring due process and the legislature, weaponized contact tracing databases to aid Democrat campaigns. I had a friend hit me up and said they can't go to restaurants unless they give their name and address so that the business can report who these people are and where they're coming from. Look, I understand the importance of contact tracing. 
But this is going a bit too far. We have a constitution in this country. We have laws. We cannot allow people to break the law. They say, as WWMT reported, Whitmer's press secretary, Tiffany Brown, responded by saying, Governor Whitmer doesn't have any time for partisan politics or people who don't wear masks, uh huh, don't believe in science and don't have a plan to fight this virus. Right now, she is focused on saving lives. The governor will continue to work hard for all 10 million Michiganders. This is about Michigan versus COVID-19. Governor Whitmer doesn't care if you're a Trump Republican or a Biden Democrat. We're all in this together, but then goes on to mock people who don't wear masks, don't believe in science and don't have a plan. Sure. Here's the Facebook post for Matt Maddock. He says he goes on a list of a variety of Republicans and he says Michigan voters know she has committed the following impeachable conduct, ignoring ignored court orders, violated constitutional rights, completely ignored due process and the legislature, weaponized contact tracing databases to aid Democrat campaigns using our kids as political pawns and denied special needs students who depend on the services that occur during in-person classes, caused the unnecessary death of thousands of our vulnerable elderly who died alone and scared in nursing homes. I've listed the first first things that come to mind. What did I miss? 3.8 thousand comments, 1.5k shares on this post. Well, Whitmer announces new COVID limitations for Michigan starting Wednesday. That's tomorrow. Here we go. They say Gretchen Whitmer on Sunday announced a new series of limitations on indoor gatherings and other activities that will last for three weeks starting Wednesday. The order, which runs through December 9th, will also close schools, shutter indoor dining at bars and restaurants and mandate people work from home unless it's impossible to do so. The order targets indoor social gatherings that health officials say contribute to the spread of COVID-19. Quote, We are in the worst moment of this pandemic to date, Whitmer said. The situation has never been more dire. That's actually an opinion and probably not a true one, because while cases are certainly going up, I already mentioned there have been numerous false positives and the reliability is in question. And that's not my opinion. That's like actually coming from official sources. We're like we've seen the stories, right? But the issue is if cases are up, hospitalizations are not. And mortality is not for the most part, then it's not the most dire. The most dire was earlier this year to go through this all again and see the destruction of our economy is insane. I can only imagine that right now many people are crossing their fingers that Biden doesn't actually become the president because he's already said if the scientists want a lockdown. And what have we heard from Osterholm, one of his advisors, six week national lockdown. And what have we heard from Fauci? Normality won't return until quarter two or quarter three of next year. Can you handle that? Can you handle being locked down for another year? A shutdown? No business? Are we going to get a stimulus or is everyone just going to end up suffering? I'm not confident the government's going to pull it off. So I got to say, I don't think Governor Whitmer should have this power. And I think it is incumbent upon the individuals to focus on maintaining their own safety. Within reason, look, we're a community, we're a country. We have to work together to get through this. And I can res- I can respect COVID-19 is a problem. But at a certain point, we need to make sure that people are being responsible for themselves. You can't just keep saying no one can do these things. If people want to do them and they get sick, it's their choice. It's their choice. And I see these memes where they're like, it is my God given right to go out and catch COVID and then, you know, die in a hospital with an intub- you know, intubated or whatever. And it's like, it is. <laughs> if people don't care about the risks, that's on them. I'm a skateboarder. 
I, I used to, when I was younger, I would jump off buildings, basically. My choice. Are we going to ban anything that's dangerous from now on? I understand COVID is more serious than someone choosing to go rock climbing. But there was, I watched a video once of, of this guy. He was, what is it called? It's like free climbing or something. No ropes climbing the side of a mountain. False. Died. People go base jumping and they die. People choose to do things that are dangerous and it's their choice. Just because you are scared doesn't mean we can violate the constitution. Well, now maybe she'll be impeached because they do have a majority. This is a story from October 2nd. Michigan governor's virus powers upended with court ruling. Yet here we go again. Somehow she still managed to pull off more lockdowns. The AP reported a 1945 law repeatedly used by Gretchen Whitmer to respond to the coronavirus pandemic was declared unconstitutional Friday. Now, when this happened, that was by the Michigan Supreme Court. She said she would find other ways to maintain the lockdowns, other laws. Wow, that's despotic. If the Supreme Court says you can't keep doing this, well, I'll find a different legal loophole to keep doing it. Doesn't that sound like a problem? Okay. well, they hopefully they impeach her. Okay, that is the process by which we deal with this. And I think it'll play out properly. Here's my bigger concern, though. If we do a lock, if you already saw how people responded to this lady, like these lunatic guys wanted to kidnap her. That's nuts. These people need to be stopped. Good on the FBI for stopping them. We are desperately clinging to some kind of cohesion in this country, and it is dangerously starting to fall apart. There's no uh, shared reality anymore. You've got Fox News being ditched in droves by people flocking Newsmax and and going on Parler, getting away from Twitter. And you've got the New York Times attacking real clear politics. Media is fracturing. The view of the world is breaking apart. And it can be dangerous. I do think there's something good in having people, you know, not all think the same thing. But there's also a certain degree of cohesion we have to have. And if we view the world just completely different, differently from each other, then I'm worried that you're going to start seeing extreme tribalism and extreme destabilization. That's what I'm worried about. If this lady repeatedly, you know, breaks the law and violates court orders and and the Constitution, I can only imagine that people are going to just start disobeying the law. People are going to say, nope, and they're going to go out and do whatever they want. Maybe that is the peaceful, nonviolent civil disobedience path forward. But I'm worried if, if, this, if the governor starts using police resources, which they have in the past, then you're going to see, <laughs> you're going to see some kind of defund the police when people stop listening to them and start viewing them as illegitimate. I'm not so much worried about lunatics going after someone like the governor because Look, the FBI was able to stop it. I'm more so worried about uh, parallel economies and parallel governance when people say those cops don't represent me. End of story. We already heard the other uh, just recently. Stuart Rhodes, who is the founder of the Oath Keepers, the largest U.S. militia, say that he imagines half the people in this country are not going to view Biden as legitimate, not listen to what he says. And that certainly would apply to the Oath Keepers themselves. We're dangerously close to a hard split. So here, here, here's what I here's what you love to see from USA Today. Please stop trying to get Governor Whitmer killed. She's doing her job to protect us from COVID. She's violating the law. Like you could kidnap someone and be like, I'm keeping them safe. Yeah, technically you could be keeping them safe, but you're kidnapping them. Taking someone who is at risk. Like imagine some woman's being stalked. So a guy kidnaps her because now I'm going to keep her safe from that other stalker. That's, that's ridiculous. 
You want to, okay, but the stalker was a murderer and this guy is just a different kind of criminal. No, you can't do that. You can't break the law under the guise of helping someone. It'd be like, well, I stole the ice cream from, from the little boy because ice cream was bad for him. You still stole it. You can't do that. People have, have choices in this country. This is how they frame it. They say Republicans know that letting COVID ravage their constituents may not cost them their careers, but, but standing up to Trump and his tweets definitely could. They say Governor Gretchen Whitmer announced on Sunday that Michigan will begin three weeks of new restrictions. Quote, we are at the precipice and we need to take some action because as the weather gets colder and people spend more time indoors, the virus will spread. More people will get sick and there will be more fatalities. You know what? That's that's true. That's absolutely true. What do we do? Okay, protect the vulnerable. Set up some kind of protections for nursing homes, kind of the opposite of what many of these Democrat governors did, by the way. Set up protections for people with disabilities and maybe uh, compromised immune systems. And then let everyone else do their jobs. If you don't want to get sick, don't go to the supermarket. If you don't want to get sick, don't go out to eat. You don't have to lock everyone down because some people are vulnerable. No, we put enhanced protections on the vulnerable. That makes sense. We keep our economy going. We fend off starvation. We keep people working and, and happy. What they're talking about doing just seems like they just want to do it because they have the power to do it. And they're purposefully hurting the, the lower class. It's the only, only thing I can assume. They say, they're going to say these necessary but measured steps that include temporarily closing bars and indoor dining are tactics that have worked in other places to prevent needless death. Yet my government is clearly governor is clearly putting one life at risk with this courageous move of her own. Almost as soon as the as the governor's news conference was finished, Dr. Scott Atlas, who was replaced as the top expert for Donald Trump, tweeted the only way this stops is if people rise up. You get what you accept. Wow. That's from the federal government telling people to rise up. Man, look. I don't know what I can, how I can respond to that because I got to say, I can certainly understand that can lead to destabilization. What's the alternative though? People just living on their knees and blindly accepting what probably doesn't work? Sorry. This country is constrained. This government is constrained by the constitution. You can't just shut things down and do whatever you want. That's not how things work in this country. So if there is, I'll put it this way. There is a trade-off with civil liberties. You see, when you live in a despotic authoritarian nightmare country like China, they will weld your door shut and you will die inside your home, but they'll stop the spread of the infection. Is that it? The needs of the many outweigh the need of the few needs of the few sacrifice the individual for the sake of the collective. Well, un unfortunately, we are a country that is a constitution protecting the rights of the individual. And that means you can't strip rights away from people to protect some, to, to protect people from natural disasters. You can try, but you'll likely get impeached. Look at this death threats and kidnapping plots. Atlas tried to walk back his tweet saying he would never endorse or incite violence, but it's hard to dismiss his inflammatory rhetoric, which makes the closure of Arby's dining room for the rest of November sound like an issue of liberty or death. Perhaps to the small business owner who saved up to launch a franchise Arby, Arby's location, because they like Arby's, they wanted to finally have their own business of the, uh, uh, for themselves. Perhaps destroying their lives is a matter of freedom. It, perhaps it's not just shutting down the Arby's dining room. You see how these people think about you? 
These ivory tower elites, the people who work in these media companies have little to worry about when it comes to COVID. Now, many of them have a lot to worry about for a lot of reasons, for sure. Ad revenue went down earlier this year because the shutdowns caused a massive drop off in advertising revenue for these uh, restaurants. I saw my revenue drop, I think, greater than 50 percent. But guess what? My overhead is so low. For the most part, I did fine. I was making money. Then things started to recover when they eased lockdown restrictions and the advertising started to come back. But these journalists are on set salaries. Now, many of these newsrooms probably will lay people off regardless. And this is going to impact everybody. But these people are giving up everything for a warm blanket. Sure, it feels good. Is it really going to save you? <laughs> Honestly, we don't know. There are no metrics by which to compare, uh, you know, lockdown measures for the most part. And in fact, we can only see incongruency between lockdowns in certain states and countries and the impact of the uh, of COVID. Because like I mentioned, in some places they did lock down, still got bad. In some places they didn't lock bad, they didn't lock down, didn't get bad, but then got bad later. New York, for instance, is locked down to the most extreme degree, and it's still just getting worse and worse and worse. So by all means, allow them to say, we're going to destroy your life, but make you feel better. That's to, that's that's absolutely ridiculous. And, and, and more importantly, it's ridiculous to try and play up this narrative that simply calling out unconstitutional behavior is, a, is an incitement to violence. They go on to say that there were 13 people charged as part of a credible plot to kidnap the governor. And, and, and I'm glad the FBI was able to stop them. Now, some people think this plot was just the FBI doing FBI stuff where they go and say, hey, you want to go do a thing? And then the guy says, sure. They go, ha ha, you're under arrest. But these guys seem serious. They really did. They say the planning of this assassination attempt apparently began before April 17th when Trump tweeted liberate Michigan. Yes. Just because you say we should have freedom doesn't mean anyone is inciting anyone to do anything. And that's a ridiculous argument. Now, I'll tell you this. These guys actually are fueling this insane rhetoric. So they definitely should not. Nobody should be engaging in any kind of behavior like this. They go on to say you could argue that it wasn't in Trump's self-interest to attack Whitmer. Polls show that Michigan residents trust the governor over the president and his completely unnecessary attacks on her may have cost him. He lost Michigan this month by nearly 150,000 votes after he won it in 2016 by nearly 11,000, making it one of three states he flipped from Democrats, allowing him to win the presidency. But let me just point out, Trump saw a net gain everywhere. So he certainly gained many votes. It's just that people didn't like Hillary Clinton. Yeah, she couldn't muster it up, huh? You could also argue that it wasn't in Trump's interest to help COVID ravage this country. This is just patently absurd. They go on to say, if Trump cared about anything except disrupting reality to preserve his own power, we wouldn't need to beg him to treat his fellow Americans like they're actual human beings. These people, these Democrats, these elites, they think they're smarter than you. They think they're better and that you need them to stay safe. I humbly disagree. I believe people have to uh, I believe people have to be responsible to varying degrees for their own safety. Well, guess what? The people of Michigan do not like what she is doing. Restaurants are now suing to try and stop the new Whitmer ban on dining. They're actually rising up and saying no to what she wants to do. This was the uh, uh, response Whitmer had to Atlas's call for Michiganders to rise up. She said, it took my breath away. Do you see the disdain that these people have for you? It took my breath away. Telling people to stand up for their rights. 
I don't know if you want to say it's over the top telling people to rise up to resist or whatever. They've been resisting the president nonstop for four years and then blame him for all the problems when they weren't cooperating. But she said it took my breath away. Get it? Get it? It's a play on those who are dying from the disease. No, it didn't take your breath away. You know what, man? It's just going to keep happening this way. It's kind of crazy because I don't I don't see this as a left or right issue. It's authoritarianism versus libertarianism or, or you know, liberty, freedom versus authority. But for some reason, it keeps falling on the lines. Democrat versus Republican. Christy Nome, Republican, South Dakota, says she's not going to enforce these these lockdowns or these mask mandates. Rand Paul pledges to fight Biden on lockdowns and forcing us to wear masks forever. It's the Republicans who are consistently defending freedom and individual liberties, and the Democrats who seem to think that you're not smart enough. Now, why is that? I don't know. What, for whatever reason, there's probably a bunch of reasons, but I will tell you this. We cannot have big cities with big city sensibilities dictating what rural areas have to do. You know, I saw, I, I can't remember which state it was, but there's, there's a bunch of states, I think California, where you can't leave your home without a mask. Mask mandates in many places. Where I live right now, there's like no one anywhere near me, okay? And I can actually hear gunshots off in the distance from people hunting. And, you know, it's, it's wilderness, man. It's like state property around me. Why would I have to go out and wear a mask, okay? Like, why I, I can't leave my house without a mask. I could, I could walk. I could probably walk. Uh, I, I could walk a decent amount. We'll call it several, several acres, maybe a couple dozen or so before I actually encounter another person. I'm not in the middle of nowhere, mind you. I'm not like, you know, hundreds of miles out. There's people nearby and there's, you know, stores and stuff. I understand wearing a mask if I'm going to go to a gas station. That's totally fine. If I'm going to go be encounter, encountering people. But I just think it's nuts that they're doing these. It's not Target. That's the problem. You want to have a lockdown. You want to put restrictions. Okay, let's have a conversation about that. New York City, I understand. I guess. I still think it's a bad idea. But you can't enact a rule for New York City and then have the same rule for, you know, upstate New York in the middle of nowhere. And that's what seems to be happening. Therein lies the big problem with Michigan. When Whitmer locked down, they were targeting small town barbers, particularly a small town barber who refused to lock down. It's like, but there were no cases nearby. I don't think this country was founded upon the idea that the government needs to protect us from everything. I believe the government was founded upon the idea that we shall have liberty or we shall die, at least in New Hampshire. And I guess technically Virginia. But times change. Despots rise. People don't want to take responsibility. And people like Gretchen Whitmer now face impeachment because of it. And good. That is the solution. That is the remedy. Because the alternative is worse. If these guys, these crazy guys were allowed to succeed, you know what that would mean? It would mean igniting some kind of actual civil war. And we don't want that. We don't want fighting. We, we just want to work through these problems. It's a crisis. These things happen. But the system has prevailed for this long, and we need to rely on it for now because it's one of the best systems in the, in the world, perhaps the best. And that's why, and that's why we've, we've become so powerful and wealthy because we protect the innocent. Gretchen Whitmer needs to be, in my opinion, impeached if she's going to keep breaking these laws. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast News. It is a different channel, and I will see you all then. Right now on Twitter. Release the Kraken is trending because Sidney Powell, Donald Trump's lawyer, says she is going to release the Kraken. And I'm assuming this is evidence of some kind of widespread voter fraud or evidence that the Dominion voting machines were flipping votes or something to that effect. And I'll tell you this. Look, I'm more than happy to report and, and comment on anything that comes out. 
So uh, by all means, release the Kraken. And I look forward to seeing what you have. But I got to be honest, release the Kraken sounds an awful lot like trust the plan. They're not exactly the same thing, but I'm not entirely confident. I think Trump is actually going through a typical legal battle. And there, there are real grounds to question what's going on in some of these counties. Last night, Donald Trump highlighted Clark County, Nevada, where they're actually throwing out one of the races because of discrepancies. It's just over 100 ballots or so had some kind of discrepancy. And the margin in a race for commissioner was like 10 votes. So they're like, OK, we're going to throw this election out and do a special election. And I'm like, hold on a minute. Hold on. Because the discrepancies exceed the margin, you're going to do a new election. There's 153,000 ballots in this county. And the president was on all of them. If you're going to question the results of the election, it's the same ballot. I don't know exactly how that will play out, but perhaps that could result in some kind of, I mean, Trump might file an emergency injunction saying, if they, look, there's no grounds to only go after one election. That makes no sense. And they'll say, but the discrepancies only exist in, you know, it's like 900 or so votes, not enough to flip the state or do anything for Donald Trump. The problem is, just because you've immediately found those discrepancies, that's you got to check. You got to investigate now. It's like you see a fire and you're like, there's just one little fire. Let's not investigate inside the house. The whole the whole place is on fire. Or you see like through the window of fire and you're like, well, you know, there's a small fire in this house. Let's not check the basement or the rest of the house. No, the, the fire department will go in and sweep the whole building. So this is a big problem. I don't know if, if ultimately they'll side with Trump or what it's, what, what it's going to uh, lead to, but I am hearing rumors that Trump conducted like an emergency legal team meeting or something. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe they will release the Kraken. But outside of all of this, let me tell you something. I believe we absolutely must have a full re- recount or audit. My friends, we were told over and over again, a recount will not help Donald Trump. That historically recounts net only maybe a hundred or so votes in, in, in a whole state or in a whole county or something like that. And that the biggest we've ever seen was in Florida, multiple counties in Florida, in Bush v. Gore. And they, and they found like a thousand three hundred votes for Gore or something like that, reducing Bush's uh, lead to only a few hundred votes. The Supreme Court intervenes and stopped the recount. But this was multiple counties in Florida, my friends, in Georgia. One county, one, and they found 800 net gain votes for Trump. They found 2,600 votes that had had not been counted, giving Donald Trump an 800 vote boost in one county. I was told historically we're only going to get 100 or 200 in the entire state. One county? How many counties are in Georgia? Like, more than a hundred or so, someone messaged me. This is like a hundred and something counties. And in one of them, 800 vote net gain for Trump. We got a problem. Now, while a lot of people are saying that Dominion voting systems did this or that or otherwise, we actually have legitimate hard evidence right now through the legal recount process in two states showing the machines they were using, be it Dominion or other, I don't know if they're using Dominion in New Hampshire, missed a bunch of votes. That's right. In New Hampshire, I covered this a few days ago. Republicans got a five or five to six percent net boost in votes when they did a hand recount. You look at the error slash glitch, whatever you want to call it in Michigan. They say it was a it was human error, not not the Dominion machine. Sorry. 
We look at Georgia. We have the glitch. 800 votes for Trump, net gain, 2,600, 2,600 people disenfranchised because the machine didn't read it properly. I got all the articles. Let's just go through this because this is, look, man, I don't know if there's going to be a Kraken, but I tell you, Trump might be able to file an emergency injunction on many of these states after finding this. I mean, if they go to court and they say in Nevada, we have nearly a thousand discrepancies, we need time to investigate more. A judge might be like, yeah, we, we can't sort of a thousand and they're caught. They're canceling an election. That's huge. And in the recount with 800 votes, they could go in and say, historically, the margins we've seen have been 100, 200 or so in one county, 800. We got to stop. They might be able to get Georgia, Nevada, Michigan, Pennsylvania frozen. Long shot. I don't know the probabilities. Legal experts are saying it's absurd. It'll never happen. Sure. Fine. Sure. Fine. It could. You could also win the lottery. I have no idea. Okay. The probabilities, it could be slim to none. It could be wishful thinking, maybe. But this is what's being highlighted right now. So let's cover it. From Fox News, Trump seizes on local Nevada race to raise suspicions of wider problem. Grenell says Nevada Dems are in full panic mode. President Trump called Nevada's Clark County's decision to not certify one of its local races due to a number of discrepancies, a big victory and suggested that the issue could be evidence of a wider problem in the state. Quote, big victory moments ago in the state of Nevada, Trump tweeted, the all Democrat county commissioner race on the same ballot as the president just thrown out because of large scale voter discrepancy. Clark County officials do not have confidence in their own election security major impact. That's that's true. Now, I don't know if it's so much about security, however, but they don't have confidence in it. The issue is there are a bunch of ballots they can't count, which could change the results of the election. So they're like, okay, okay, we need to do this over. But if you at first glance and you're using universal mail-in voting in Nevada and you've got voting machines, notice this, then you've got to do a manual hand recount. It has to. You can't call a special election for one race. That's not fair. That's not practical. They say the race wasn't uh, the race in question was for Clark County Commission District C, which reportedly makes up about one sixth of the total votes in the state's most populous county. The race was between Democrat Democrat Stavros Anthony, a Republican councilman from Vegas, and Ross Miller, the Democrat who has served as secretary of state. Miller ended up winning by 10 votes out of more than 153 that were cast. But the paper reported the county's registrar of voters determined that 139 ballots enough to swing the race had discrepancies. Joe Gloria, the head of the registrar's office, revealed Monday that out of the roughly 975,000 votes across the across the county, across the, the state, I guess. No, I don't know. It just doesn't say across the blank. 936 had some kind of issue. The commission certified the election results in the county, except for District C. Gloria also told the elected county commissioners that officials identified six people who voted twice in the Las Vegas area. Come on, man. We can't just ignore this, okay? You can't say, well, we recognize there's enough to say this one race, but we're going to ignore that we're seeing smoke and fire. I tell you this, people voting twice is fire, okay? Six people, not a whole lot. But 936 discrepancies, along with people voting twice, along with a race being can- we got fire, baby. We got to go put it out. OK, send in the investigators to make sure the rest of the building is sound. They say Joe Biden drew 50.06 percent of the vote in the state compared to Trump's 47.67. The commission accepted results of Gloria's 
tally of 977,185 ballots cast in the Biden-Trump race. Eric Papa, the communications director for the county, called the Trump tweet inaccurate and said the discrepancies were limited to the one local race. Duh. That's it. 153,000 votes. Right. Enough to swing the race if because it's a Democrat county. Molly Forgy, For, Forgy, the communications director for the Nevada State Democratic Party, tweeted out that Trump and his supporters on social media are working to spin the story because they can't get over the fact Biden and Kamala Harris will be the next president. Trump has insisted that he will be declared the winner of the presidential election and has said it is important to make sure that every legal vote is counted. Richard Grinnell, a former acting director of national intelligence, responded to Forgy's tweet and said the Nevada Democratic Party is in full panic mode. Quote, Clark County throws out an entire race because of fraud, he tweeted. The entire county's ballots are now suspect and the Democrat Party is freaking out. Now, that's incorrect. It's not fraud. There is some fraud. They identified six people who voted twice. It's discrepancies. That means uh, many of the ballots, some of them probably might be fraud. Some of them were just like they didn't they didn't sign the ballot properly. So it's being thrown out. But then someone's saying, hey, that's a vote for me. That could change the race. So they want to essentially do a, a special election. That's messed up. That's messed up. I think if the if the votes don't count, the votes don't count. End of story. And I think that gives it to the Democrat, right? It doesn't matter. If the votes are not filled out properly, it's the way it's got to go. If they're saying because of that, they're going to do a brand new election. Well, maybe we're going to have to we're going to have to follow that logic across the board, aren't we? Not going to be fun. Trump and his legal team have challenged the election results in several key swing states. We know this. Georgia's Floyd County announced earlier. This is big news. We'll get to this. Trump's historic recount gain in one county is nuts. All right. Now, this is Trump's tweet. People calling for a full audit. He says big victory moments ago in Nevada. One six of the votes cast. Too many discrepancies. You get the point. Adam Paul Laxett said the Clark County Commission just threw out an election that represents almost one six of the total votes cast in Clark County because there were too many discrepancies to be sure that the results in the election can be certain. The 153 K votes in this election. Let's go to Georgia. Check this out. Vote recount in Georgia finds over 2,600 ballots in Floyd County. They say, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the ballots were uncovered. Gabriel Sterling, who serves as Georgia's voting system manager, told the newspaper the mishap was the result of human error, not equipment issues. Really? Human error? Wow. Do we have a lot of human error? Isn't that weird? We need a full audit. That, that's why I tell you, this might be grounds. This might play into a Supreme Court ruling on Pennsylvania. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I tell you, the left is saying Joe Biden won. Why won't you submit? Trump's going to fight to the bitter end. Tooth and nail. It's not over. Trump supporters aren't going to give up. Let me tell you something. If, if, if they go to the Supreme Court and say, we have numerous documented cases of human error in Michigan, Georgia, more than once in Georgia and not, and New Hampshire. Okay then we need to make sure Then we've got a problem because we needed to make sure that people were able to watch. They weren't allowed to in Michigan and in Pennsylvania. There was a period where observers were pushed so far away they couldn't see anything. The left and the media says they were they were in the building. They were there. The observers were there. Trump says meaningful access so you can actually see if we're now seeing that there was human error in numerous places. Nevada's canceling a race because of discrepancies. We've got human error now in Georgia that give it, gives Trump a, a historic recount margin. That's crazy. That might be enough for them to say, 
without our observers, how can we be sure? We need a full audit of the vote. And the Supreme Court's going to be like, we, we can't do that. It's it, this, the Constitution says the 14th. Trump says, then don't certify the results in these states. And the Supreme Court's going to say, yes. OK, maybe not. I don't know. They might say that's ridiculous. We can't do that. That would you know, damage the Constitution. We don't know for sure. It would damage this country. But I'll tell you this. Let, 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 me, let me keep reading the story. But this is hard evidence. It doesn't have to be fraud. That's why I keep saying, I keep saying this fraud is the wrong direction. The real issue is verifiable human error and glitches. Verifiable. We've got so much evidence now of impropriety. That's it. That's the evidence you need. Check this out. The ballot Sterling said hadn't previously been included in the state's unofficial tally because they hadn't been uploaded from a ballot scanning machine memory card. Sterling called the mishap an amazing blunder in comments to the paper saying it's not an equipment issue. It's a person not executing their job properly. This is the kind of situation that requires a change at the top of their management side. He continued, Chris Harvey, director of the elections division for the office of Georgia secretary of state, also confirmed to the paper that newly unearthed batch of votes will be added to the state's overall tally. Hmm. According to the newspaper, President Trump could see roughly 800 net votes added to his tally in the state as a result of the discovery. Human error. Always in the same direction helping out Joe Biden. How strange. I warned about this. We are not looking. We, we do like there are so many people who are like, it's the fraud. It's the fraud. Maybe. OK, you you handle the fraud stuff. I'll I'll focus on the things that might actually bring about a legal victory for Donald Trump. Impropriety. That's it. You're not looking for a conspiracy. You're looking for a standalone complex. What that means is, a bunch of individuals doing similar things at the same time, giving the appearance of a conspiracy. How many people hate Donald Trump? How many of them would be willing to shuffle and scuttle away a little memory card because they didn't want to give Trump the 800 votes? And what if a bunch of people across the board did it in various places and it chips away at Donald Trump's lead? This is 800 votes. Look at this. They say, uh, Joe Biden has a lead. Let, let me read. They say it doesn't seem likely the potential addition will change the projected outcome of the presidential election in Georgia, where Joe Biden was projected by multiple news outlets to have uh, one last week, building a lead of more than 13,000 votes, according to unofficial results. The paper reports the mishap has been the most significant issue to come up in the state. Okay, I'm sorry. 800 votes chips away heavily at the 13,000 vote lead. And how many counties are in Georgia? How many more discrepancies might exist? What do we do? Do we say freeze the results? Joe Biden. <sighs> Look, man. If in Nevada, they're saying there's more discrepancies that could result in a change in the election. I got to say 800 in one county sounds like as big as Georgia is, they might uncover more discrepancies similar in, the sim in a similar way. I don't know what you should do, but let me show you this. Why Wisconsin recount wouldn't likely save Trump from Yahoo News? And they highlight a tweet from Scott Walker. He said, after recount in 2011 race for the Wisconsin Supreme Court, there was a swing of 300 votes. After recount in 2016, Trump numbers went up by 131. As I said, 20,000 is a high hurdle. That's right. Many people point out that, in fact, the biggest recount swing was Bush v. Gore. Only only 100 or so, only 300 votes in one county. They found 2,600 votes. That's nuts. It's not the same thing as counting wrong. It's that someone didn't upload a vote total. 
Well, you got a problem there, buddy. Check this out. From the union leader, state house dome recount find votes, not fraud, not fraud. The more you keep saying fraud, the more you give the mainstream media the evidence, the, 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 the ammo if they need to say, ignore it. There's no fraud. Trump's lawsuit isn't even about fraud. It's about meaningful access for the most part. There is there are some fraud challenges for sure, but they're trying to get an injunction on state certification because they weren't given access with all of these stories. They just might get it. What's crazy about this is they found around. Look at this. State election officials issued corrected totals, which gave Wheeler an additional 1,600 votes. I thought we were only going to see a few hundred. I thought it was historical, the biggest we'd seen with Bush v. Gore. Maybe it's not. That's what they've been saying. And now here we are. Some dude gained 1,600. It's New Hampshire. We're not talking about New York City with tens of, you know, 10 million people or whatever, or the New York Metro, I should say. We're talking about New Hampshire. There it is. These vote swings were crazy. It's about five to six percent for all the Republicans and only about 0.5 percent for the Democrats. In fact, one Democrat lost votes. How did that happen? Minus 2.2 percent. That's my understanding. Someone was giving Democrats more votes and then they did not like that wasn't for the Democrat. How did that happen? Well, maybe we have some insight. Check this out. RNC monitor catches election worker in Georgia switching Trump votes to Biden. I'm going to stop for a second and clarify what the story is. It's a video from Project Veritas. And what I've seen of it is someone's talking to an RNC worker who says he caught a lady. She kept yelling out Biden and then they check and that's for Trump. Oh, oops. And then this dude had to actually watch her and she was oh, fine because that's all it takes. Now, I'm not sure, you know, maybe this is true. Maybe it's not whatever. That's not the point. The point is the standalone complex. That's the issue. If there's one lady who's every third Trump vote saying it's for Biden, and that's only a few hundred votes, but they do it in every county, and there's a handful of people across the board doing it, this is what I warned about. I said it takes only one person to kick a box of ballots into a back room or under a desk and ignore it to change the way this this, this country functions. Maybe it didn't happen. Maybe these people in their zealotry, in their psychotic ideological fervor, just cost Joe Biden the election. Because now they've given Trump all the ammo he needs to say, look at all of these discrepancies. How can we certify this election when they're canceling one election in Nevada? When we when 682,000 ballots were counted with no observers, with Michigan having these glitches, with Georgia finding uncounted uh, uh, tapes, memory cards, they might just say too bad. But think about what that means. We've now uncovered enough evidence of impropriety and error to suggest our elections are broken. Our election was not accurate. And at this point, we can only say, well, we guess Joe Biden won. I mean, for the most part, it seems a good estimation of who should be the winner. Is that the way elections are supposed to work? We say, for the most part, we did uncover widespread impropriety. That's a fact. Okay, you can't deny that. Voter fraud is a different question. We've uncovered it. it. It calls into question many votes. But who cares? Just Joe Biden wins. Think about what that means for the future. That means political campaigns can rely on this. That means their path to victory can be marred by all of these broken systems, errors and impropriety that potentially they lean into. They say, OK, what's our what's our election strategy? Well, we do know that the uh, Supreme Court's not going to stop the election if there's hundreds of thousands of ballots with no observers. So let's let's do this. 
Let's make sure that certain people in certain places like Philadelphia, which is heavy Democrat, have no one watching them work. Yes, that will be factored into how people win. Dirty politics is always a factor in how people win. Strategies, smears, lies, the whole thing. It's about gaining power. We cannot allow this to happen. I don't know what the, what the answer is, though. If Trump is able to freeze three states, three, no certification, he wins the presidency. It will go likely to a contingent election where the House delegations, not representatives, would vote. And there are more Republican delegations than Democrat. Trump would be elected by uh, after had, having lost the popular vote and the Electoral College. Trump might only have, you know, 217 or so electoral votes. Joe Biden might have 269. Doesn't matter. If he doesn't cross that threshold, he will not be president. I don't know if Trump could pull it off. Um, we just saw this this breaking news. Three attorneys withdraw from representing Trump campaign in Pennsylvania suit. Their lawyers are being harassed by the left. So maybe Trump won't be able to make it through. We'll see how it plays out. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. So I recently got word that I am, well, it is highly recommended that I don't leave the state because, baby, lockdowns are back. Take a look at this. The hideous sight we hope to never see again. Panic buyers across the U.S. empty shelves of toilet roll, food, and disinfectant as 40 states see record daily increase in cases and 20 states report all-time highs in deaths. Washington, shelves cleared out. Missouri, California, New York, Michigan, panic buying 2.0. So saith the Daily Mail. It's coming, man. They started rolling out the lockdowns and it's been creeping up on us uh, uh, for, for the past couple of weeks or so. Been gradually getting worse. New York, New Jersey, I don't know if Pennsylvania can lock down because of the const- a ruling that the lockdowns were unconstitutional, but that's not stopping Gretchen Whitmer, who also lost a court case. She's just going for it. We'll see how that plays out. But in the wake of all of this, people are rushing to the store and buying up everything they can, namely toilet paper for some reason. I hope you all learned your lesson from earlier this year, and I hope the first place you go to is the gun store. My, my, my first reaction was not to run to Walmart to buy toilet paper. It was to run to the local shop and pick up some, uh, some ammunition because it's, it's hard to come by. And as these lockdowns increase, you know what's going to happen? Look, I know there's going to be people saying, stop manifesting these things, Tim, just because you put it out there, man. Listen, you lock people up, up in little cubicles stacked on top of each other in places like New York City, where the whole place smells like sour milk. People go nuts. Same thing is true for all of these big cities. They're in crammed, tight little spaces. You tell them they can't go outside. They can't go to the bar. They can't blow off steam. They're going to snap. And so when we saw the George Floyd riots, I I, I got to be honest. I think the core of the riots was about George Floyd. The next biggest component was just pent up rage against the machine. Ah, Isn't that funny? It's unfortunate, however, that many of these leftists are now raging on behalf of the machine, as it were, because they're cheering for the lockdowns. It's the craziest thing. What we are seeing with these lockdowns is one of the, if not the largest transfer of wealth from the lower class to the ultra rich. And I hear people say, so what? We have to lock down. We have no choice. People are dying. They are. COVID's a problem. It's got lingering health effects. It's kind of scary. I don't want to get it. I'm going to wear a mask. 
I'm going to limit my exposure and all that, but we can keep our small businesses open with proper social distancing, right? I guess not. I guess these people just say, shut her down. Now here's what happens. Mom and pop shops close. Ownership is being disintegrated. Regular people who own things will no longer own things because they can't pay their bills. They are being flattened. They talk about flattening the curve. Yeah, the economic curve. They talked about this great recovery. Well, now it's about to get a whole lot worse. We are going to be crushed under the weight of nationwide lockdowns. And the most people can muster up is running to the store to buy up toilet paper. I guess you need toilet paper. Sure, whatever. Well, across the country, new lockdowns and restrictions are sweeping as COVID cases continue to rise. But let me show you the most important thing about all of this. And we'll go through, we'll look at some of these pictures. You can see toilet paper's gone. Look at this. Number of U.S. deaths per day has not spiked. Look at where it was early on. And now it's actually, there's a, there's a spike right here. It's a little spike. It's going up and we're worried about that. And I can, I can understand saying we need to take precautions to prevent this spike from skyrocketing. But take a look at cases. Number of new infections per day is higher than it's ever been. But the death rate is way, way, way down. To be fair and reasonable here. We've improved our therapeutics and we have better treatments. We now have a vaccine on the horizon. It makes sense that we've learned how to treat this better. I get it. But I got, I got to say, I do not see lockdowns as the answer. Lockdowns are the last resort. That's what the World Health Organization said. They said it should be the last resort. Now, a lot of people have pushed it a little further and, and maybe I should issue a clarification if I did in the past, uh, uh, push a little uh, hyperbole. The World Health Organization, the UN, have said last resort. We, you know, we, we don't want to do this. The economic strain is too much. It should be a last resort. They're not saying don't do it at all. They're just saying only in extreme circumstances. I'm not convinced we're facing extreme circumstances just yet. It makes no sense to destroy the lives of so many people from based on where we are right now. And more importantly, look, this next, this next bit's a matter of opinion. But the mortality rate for like if you're under 70, you're you have a 99.9% chance of surviving and being fine. And I know there are, uh, there are lingering health effects and all that all that stuff, excuse me. But I'm not convinced that we should be destroying everything just so we can maybe prevent something. Listen. The sad reality of life is that we can't control natural disasters. Could you imagine if they were like a hurricane is coming quick Everybody shut down your businesses for the next three months. The reason why we, we, we shutter the stores, we lock everything down for a few days just before and after a hurricane is because it's a short term problem, but it's an extreme likelihood of destruction, damage and death. With COVID, we have a likelihood of infection and certain, certain people get lingering effect, health effects, but the survival rate is extremely high. It's crazy to me that we would say lock everything down for an extended period for months, almost a year over what is ad- admittedly a problem. But in my opinion, not apocalyptic. You know, if a natural disaster is going to occur, what do you do? Destroy everything out of fear of a natural disaster? You can't do that. Otherwise, should we lock everyone down out of, out of the fear that maybe it's soon the San Andreas fault is going to give and then the, the big one's going to hit California, knock down all these buildings? No, we take precautions for it, but we try and live to the best of our abilities. I'll tell you what's really crazy to me. Watching these war-torn, like these videos from these war-torn countries, 
where there's like shooting going on and people are living their lives. They're going to the store. They're buying stuff. Imagine if they were like, lock all the businesses down, lock everything down because there's war going on. That would actually make sense to me. But people still have to survive. What's happening now? Small businesses are destroyed. But you know who's not? Amazon, Walmart, Target. These big box stores are going to get all the money. And then I hear from my friends. Yes, but we need a stimulus package. A stimulus package would do the same thing. It would accelerate the transfer of wealth from poor people to the ultra wealthy. Think about it. The government prints a ton of money, gives it to people who then spend it all on Amazon and Walmart, who then takes those profits. What, what happens then when you inflate the, the money supply, when you, when you dump money into the supply, it inflates the currency. It devalues it. There's too much. What, what, what ends up then happening is you give a large proportion of that to major, you know, box stores and companies like Amazon. And then all of a sudden they have a disproportionate amount of the money that they can use to then dictate how things are done. It's clever. And I'm sure the ultra wealthy are loving it. And I'm sure the Democrats don't care because they're rich too. And they've probably got stock in Amazon and other companies and they're going to do just fine. Now, regular people have stock too. So maybe many of these people are going to rush to go buy Amazon and Walmart or I, I think Walmart, might, I don't know if their Walmart is public, but Amazon has is publicly owned. So you can buy shares. And then what? All of the smaller businesses see their stock value plummet and collapse. The ones that actually are listed are public. And the big massive change, we are consolidating power. And it's a mistake. Well, here's what's happening across the country. They say toilet paper, disinfectant and groceries are once again flying off the shelves across the U.S. with states forced to impose stricter lockdowns and the number of new COVID cases spiking to 166,000 on Monday. Pictures taken in recent days shows stores in Washington, California, Virginia, Indiana, Ohio, New Jersey, New York, all, <laughs> all these places affected by the rush. It is the second time this year that shoppers appear to be panic buying. Stores were left scrambling to restock shelves wiped out in response to COVID-19 back in March. But experts say the run is likely to be less severe this time as stores and shoppers are more prepared. Saboda so, so Kumar, a supply chain expert at Temple University, told the Daily Beast, people have already hoarded a lot of this stuff in their basements. Oh, yeah. I still got some. Actually, no, I think we ate all our beans from earlier in the year, to truth be told. A new flurry of lockdown measures come came as 40 states reported record daily increases. Several governors from New Jersey and California, Iowa, Ohio, and, and uh, acted on Monday to restrict gatherings ahead of Thanksgiving and boost face coverings in confronting a coronavirus surge they warned is out of control. How? We've been wearing masks. We've been locked down. Is this stuff not working? Oh, is anyone going to question anything? I run the risk of getting banned for simply doing this video. I say it every time, but it is a fact. So what do we do? Do we just lay down and say, well, that's it. But people will die, Tim. I know, man, it's horrifying. What do we do? Do we just give up? That makes no sense. We can't. We can't just sit around and say, let everything just fall apart. Let everyone suffer and be locked in their homes. We need to protect the vulnerable. And we need to reopen our economy. It's the only thing that makes sense. But you know what? I have to question what the real uh, goals are here. I mean, take a look at this. Stores are all completely being you know, wiped out. But this, these pictures, these are big box stores. What are these? Target stores? Walmarts? Yeah, that's who's succeeding. There was a video out of New Jersey where a woman was selling things on Facebook Live. 
Her store wasn't open. It was closed. She went on Facebook and started filming the things she had. And she said you could buy it online and she'd mail it to you. And the police showed up and said, shut it down. And she said, why? I'm not open. I'm just posting videos online. Don't care. Shut it down. Who are these disgusting cops who would come and be like, how dare you film things and put them on the Internet? I don't know, man. Morons, people who have no uh, uh, loyalty to the U.S. or the Constitution. That's what they did. They went out and they told the woman she couldn't sell things on Facebook. Amazing. I have to wonder why. Well, I've brought it up. Tucker Carlson brings it up. Many people bring it up. The Great Reset. It's not a conspiracy theory. They've said they're going to do this. So when I see a story about a woman who is selling things online and the cops shut her down, is this for the Great Reset? It's the only thing that actually makes sense in terms of what their plans are. Tucker Carlson, the elites want COVID-19 lockdowns to usher in a Great Reset, and that should terrify you. The most intimate details of our lives are being controlled by our leadership class. What have we seen? In this video, in an article from the World Economic Forum, again, not conspiracies, literally on their website, they say predictions for the year 2030. One of one, one of them is Western values have been tested to their breaking point. Another is you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Okay, well, I can own nothing and be happy. I'm fairly minimalist in many respects, and I've been homeless before. So sure, I certainly think people could. But I have to wonder what their true intent is when it comes to COVID. They've said on their website that COVID, the COVID-19 crisis is an opportunity to usher in the Great Reset. Not a conspiracy, not making this up literally on the World Economic Forum website. When they say that, and then you see these Democratic governors say, lock everything down. Even We're dealing with a virus with a 99.9% survival rate for most people, for people under 70. Those over 70, it's 97%. Is that why we lock everything down? They say it. They do it. And what's the result versus, well, well, listen, we locked down initially 15 days to slow the spread. Did it? I guess not. I don't know. Maybe it did. To be fair, there's no metric by which to compare it other than countries like Sweden, which seemed to do just fine earlier this year. Now Sweden is starting to lock down certain things and their cases are going up. But I'll tell you this. There's no correlation then between lockdowns or not, because earlier this year, Sweden was fine and they didn't lock down. There have been many states that didn't lock down. Also, we're fine. No major spikes. I don't think the lockdown is correlating with preventing the, the, the spread of this virus in any way. I could be wrong, but I'm looking at the charts. How does it make? It doesn't make sense. Sweden had limited spike and then later now they're seeing a huge spike, but they didn't lock. OK, well, that doesn't correlate with these other countries. I'll tell you what is happening, though. Seems like the Democrats, the, the elites are exploiting this and it's causing a massive transfer of wealth to the multinational billion dollar corporations. If that's what you want, so be it, because I tell you this. Upward mobility is being destroyed. It's harder and harder to become successful, to break the barrier and become wealthy. But smart people can figure it out. It's but it's just they're making it more and more difficult. The, the left likes to talk about how the American dream has been destroyed. And it's like or there it's it no longer exists or whatever. And it's like, well, these are your policies. These are Democratic governors doing this, destroying the small businesses of those trying to find the American dream. Tucker Carlson calls it out. It's the Great Reset, he says. He writes, 
or speaks. America is locking down again. In some places, that's already happening. If you have kids, you've seen it. Joe Biden has promised more of it, more masks, more quarantines, more limits on travel, more restrictions on who you can eat with and who you can touch. The most intimate details of our lives are being completely controlled by our leadership, leadership class. The people who used to scream at politicians, keep your hands off my body, aren't saying a thing about this. In fact, they're encouraging it. So the question is, what exactly is this about? It's not about science. If masks and lockdowns prevented spikes in coronavirus infections, we wouldn't be seeing spikes in coronavirus infections after nine months. But we are seeing them. So clearly, the geniuses got it wrong once again. This time, they're not even bothering to point to legitimate scientific studies to support continuing their policies because there aren't any studies that support that. So what is going on? Catholic Archbishop Carlo Maria uh, Vigano, is that how you pronounce it? Vigano has some idea. Vigano is one of the truth tellers in his church. He made himself deeply unpopular with many in the hierarchy several years ago by exposing their complicity in decades of abuse. Vigano is 79 years old, and the way that older people stop caring what others think, he really doesn't care. So instead, he says what he thinks is true. A few weeks ago, he wrote a letter to President Trump assessing the lockdowns from a perspective you almost never hear in this country. Quote, no one up until last February would ever have thought that in all our cities, Citizens would be arrested simply for wanting to walk down the street, to breathe, to want to keep their businesses open, to want to go to church on Sunday. Yet now it is happening all over the world. The fundamental rights of citizens and believers are being denied in the name of a health emergency that is revealing itself more and more fully as instrumental to the establishment of an inhuman faceless tyranny. There's a reason you may not have heard those words for words before. The usual foot soldiers for conformity in our news media did their best to suppress and discredit Vigano's letter to the president. Yahoo News tried to tie the elderly clergyman somehow to QAnon, to which, uh, which to them made sense. He alleged that a global health emergency was being used by the people in power for ends that had nothing to do with the virus itself. And of course, that's crazy talk. That's the media's position on that. The only problem is that what Vigano wrote is actually true. It's not a conspiracy theory. It is factually accurate. Here's Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau speaking to the United Nations in September. He said, this pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. This is our chance to accelerate our pre-pandemic efforts to reimagine economic systems that actually address global challenges like extreme poverty, inequality, and climate change. Quote, this is our chance, says Justin Trudeau, not our chance to save you from a virus with a 99% survival rate. This is our chance to impose unprecedented social controls on the population in order to bypass democracy and change everything to conform with their weird academic theories that have never been tested in the real world. And by the way, don't actually make sense. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. Keep in mind, that's not from QAnon. That is a head of state talking about he's talking. He's not alone. Klaus Schwab, the founder of the World Economic Forum, has written a book called COVID-19, The Great Reset. The book isn't actually about science or medicine. Instead, it describes what changes will be needed to create a more inclusive, resilient and sustainable world going forward. What changes is Schwab talking about? We don't know. What we are certain of is that you're going to pay for them and the people in charge will benefit from them. What's telling is how different this is from the way our leaders were talking back when the pandemic began. Statewide coronavirus lockdowns in this country started about eight months ago in mid-March. At the time, California Governor Gavin Newsom predicted that 56% of his state's population would become infected with the virus within eight weeks. Businesses would need to shut down. 
But he also pro- uh, promised it would he would all he would all be over soon. It would all be over soon. This is not a permanent state. It was a moment in time that should have made us nervous because in the end, that moment continued indefinitely. Pretty soon, Gavin Newsom was telling us who we were allowed to be around and who we were allowed to talk to. In July, he said, as always, I want to remind you, limit your mixing with people outside of your household. It's just common sense. But the data suggests not everyone is practicing common sense. What we have learned from the data since then, as of November 5th, about 2.6% of the total population of California has been infected. That's roughly 20 million fewer people than Gavin Newsom predicted to be infected by May. So in some ways, that looks like a victory. Can we declare victory? No, just the opposite. Monday, Newsom announced that more lockdowns are underway. Right now, 41 counties in our biggest state are under the most restrictive form of lockdown. Churches, gyms, and restaurants cannot conduct any kind of indoor operations. He goes on to talk about Newsom, but I think we get the point. He goes on to talk, goes on to talk about Chicago, Mayor uh, Lori Lightfoot, and many other jurisdictions. He says, what does the Great Reset look like? This is what it looks like. The people in charge doing whatever they want because they're in charge. There will be no live music in the Great Reset. Choirs will be illegal unless they are singing the praise of Kamala Harris. Christmas will be banned. Sorry, put on your mask and spend the holidays alone. Good luck. So how long can this all continue? This weird and yet weirdly recognizable combination of hypocrisy and authoritarianism. Well, it's hard to imagine it could go on forever. In his letter last month to the president, Vigano wrote this, and it's worth hearing. This great reset is designed to fail because those who planned it do not understand that there are still people ready to take to the streets to defend their rights, to protect their loved ones, to give a future to their children and their grandchildren. Let's hope that's true. And they say this is adapted from Tucker Carlson's opening monologue. You see, I was trying to do a little bit of a Tucker impersonation there. I don't think I nailed it, though. But there was a really funny video where the left was making fun of Benny Johnson. He's a conservative because he talked too much like Tucker Carlson. I'm like, so why? Who cares? Anyway, I'll tell you what I care about. This great reset. You know, let me be let me be uh, let me be real with all of you. I've long I've long thought about the problems facing this planet. It is impossible that humanity can just keep growing endlessly. It's impossible. I mean, just do the math. We know for a fact there was a uh, we, we, we hunt deer for a reason. When there's too many, they eat too much vegetation. They suffer. They get diseases. We released wolves back into the wild. In, I, and I think like around the, uh, the northwestern United States. And this started to control population of deer and other animals. And then all of this life started to flourish again because it restored balance to the ecosystem. Humans can't just expect our, to, that we're outside of all of this. And if we grow rapidly, I'm, I worry that we'll end up like, you know, yeast, essentially, just consuming the sugars and growing and expanding until they toxify their environment and then get baked into oblivion. I don't know if anyone's going to bake us or anything like that, but we certainly just can't grow endlessly outside of balance with with the ecosystem or nature, save technological development. And that's why I'm not an authoritarian, because although I'm very concerned about these things, ultimately, I think the planet's going to be fine. I mean, if humans wipe themselves out for the most part, humanity will still survive. Even our greatest natural disasters, the man-made ones, would still result in humans surviving. Maybe these global World Economic Forum individuals and Democrats think they're the noble, smart individuals. They know better than you. And so they must implement this great reset and this lockdown to save us. Maybe. I mean, maybe it's true. I don't think people are inherently uh, most. They're evil people in this world. Don't get me wrong. I think a lot of people just think they're the good guys and they're well-intentioned. Maybe they're not. Or maybe they are. Or maybe they're just not that smart. And therein lies the bigger problem. 
I don't see them enacting these things to save the world. I think I see them doing it and flaunting the rules to gain power for themselves. Newsom goes out and parties. Uh, Nancy Pelosi has wants to have a big Thanksgiving party. These people want to go out and flaunt the rules. Nancy Pelosi goes out. Look, you can actually see a little bit in the screen right here. It's art from George Alexopoulos of Nancy Pelosi when she was caught getting her hair done in violation of COVID lockdowns. These people don't actually care about the restrictions. They will flaunt them. They want the power and they want the power over you. If the goal was really to save the planet, they would foster a community encouraging people to do cool things. Greta Thunberg is not that. She is uh, abrasive and mean. She's not being championed or cherished in, 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 in the right way. She's berating and insulting people and mocking them and ignoring what's going on in China in terms of their, their pollution. There are ways to do cool things, to rally America to do better. It's just not happening because they don't want it to. They want power. And that's why I think they're so eager to just lock everything down. COVID's a great opportunity to exploit the system to empower themselves. By destroying the lower class, the middle class, they take away your political voice. Think about it this way. Maximum political de- political donation is about $2,800 right now. It changes with inflation, right? It goes up every year, something like that. A poor person, a middle class person, how much can you really afford to give your favorite politician? 10 bucks? 20 bucks. Some middle class people might, might, you know, dish out a hundred bucks. Some people might save up and say $2,800. But man, are you kidding? $2,800? That's nuts. Someone being able to give $2,800 to a politician is somebody who has means, not your average person. And now here's what gets crazier. A rich person can give all of their favorite politicians $2,800. Spread it out. You got a limit. So what? So these rich people give every progressive Democrat, every Democrat, all this money. Poor people can't do that. So ultimately, the more they squeeze out the lower class and shuffle that money to the upper class, the more power the upper class has. And the wealth gap is getting bigger and bigger. And this is making it worse. It is not the solution to our problems. At least I don't think so. I don't think they've proven that. And I think it's just causing death, suffering, depression, and it's transferring wealth from the poor people to, to, uh, to the wealthy people. You know what? I don't know how you solve that problem. I really don't because they're just going to keep doing it. And the lawsuits don't seem to matter. And 70, what, 79 million people now voted for it. No joke. They're arguing for their own uh, uh, destruction. I'll leave it there. I hope you are all prepared for the coming lockdown because Biden says it's going to be a dark winter. His advisor says six week lockdown. Fauci said we won't see normality until quarter two or three of 2021. Hope your business can survive. I'll see you on the next segment coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. It is a different channel. It's my main channel. Check it out and I will see you all then. Journalism in this country died a long time ago and maybe by a long time ago, I don't know, 10 years or maybe it was just dying. But at some point along the way, it's done. This is the story. BLM protesters seen assaulting Trump supporters at Million MAGA March ID'd as journalism student. What person goes to college to be a journalist, but has within them the capacity to brutally beat and injure people they don't like when it comes to high profile politics and ideology? Let me let me clarify a little bit. I suppose everybody has the capacity to be a violent lunatic, but typically journalism is about seeking out information, better understanding and then disseminating information to help people. This is why I say journalism is dead. The people that are getting involved in journalism now and have been for quite some time are not interested in disseminating information. 
They're propagandists. Ideologues. They're violent. They're crazy. And I know I've, I've seen many of these people. Now, don't get me wrong. There are people who want to do good journalism. They exist. But the industry is being infected by zealotry and, and cultist ideology and propagandists. Here's the story from Fox News. A Black Lives Matter protester was caught on video assaulting supporters of President Trump is reportedly a journalism student at Howard University. Brittany S. McAllister, 29, was filmed purportedly punching and kicking men and women several times over the course of the Washington, D.C. event, according to a report from the Post Millennial. In one incident, McAllister allegedly kicked an unconscious man who had been knocked out by 39-year-old Kenneth Wayne DeBerry. DeBerry was one of four people the city's metropolitan police arrested for disorderly conduct. Oh, just for disorderly. Apparently coming up behind somebody and sucker punching them is just disorderly. McAllister has yet to be arrested, according to a recent press release from the department. President Trump later retweeted the video. In another clip, McAllister appears to be running up and punching a woman in the back of the head. She then runs in the opposite direction. Anti-Trump political organization Refuse Fascism had reportedly tagged McAllister in a video where she spoke at Black Lives Matter Plaza. However, the tweet has since been deleted and McAllister's accounts have been deactivated. I'll give a shout out to that, uh, that Refuse Fascism organization. You see, my understanding, and I could be wrong, is that they're, they were an offshoot of something called Revcom, Revolutionary Communists. They show up all the time. They wear uniforms and they goose step or whatever. And they go left, right, left, and they march. And it's really sad. They're LARPing. But because nobody wanted to join the revolutionary communists, my understanding, and again, I could be wrong. It's been a while since I covered this stuff, is that they launched an offshoot called Refuse Fascism and then started getting people to come down. I went to an event in New York and I was filming it and it was put on by Refuse Fascism. And I asked a woman and I was like, can I ask you a question? I was like, you're here with Refuse Fascism. Do you know, uh, like, are you here in support of communism? Or and then she got all oh, immediately snapped and she was like, get out of here, you fake news, you're lying. Who are you with? And I was like, Revcom is the organization that runs Refuse Fascism. And I was trying to very delicately, delicately and honestly ask you if you were here in support of Revcom or if you were unaware. Lady just flipped out at me. That's the trick. That's the propaganda. It's just Refuse Fascism. We have no ulterior motive. Oh, by the way, our parent organization, revolutionary communists. They say, although the march was relatively peaceful for the first few hours of demonstrations, protesters clashed with many of the thousands of marchers in the afternoon. Let me just correct that for you, Fox News. They didn't clash. They were beating people. Punching a woman in the back of the head is not a clash. Sorry. 21 people were ultimately arrested for a variety of charges, including assault and weapons possession. Two officers were injured and several firearms recovered. You can't have guns in D.C. I mean, under the Constitution, you're supposed to be able to, but you can't. Reacting on Twitter, the president instructed police officers not to hold back. Antifa scum ran for the hills today when they tried attacking the people at the Trump rally because those people aggressively fought back. Antifa waited until tonight when 99% were gone to attack innocent MAGA people. D.C. police, get going, do your job, and don't hold back. Trump also hammered Democratic Mayor Muriel Bowser, claiming she was not doing her job and accused the media of being silent. Howard University did not ultimately respond to Fox News' request for comment. What did Trump do? What did Trump do about this? 
it was on federal in federal jurisdiction. Trump could have mobilized what DHS, FPS. There are a lot of resources that Trump could have used in a in federal jurisdiction. He could have called the National Guard. He didn't. He tweeted. He tweeted as old people were being beaten, as kids were crying and being shoved. Trump tweeted. Good for him, I suppose. Well, at least Trump tweeted about it, I guess, because Joe Biden did not. And I'll tell you this. At the very least, Trump has seemed angry about the far left violence. And the DHS has actually deputized police in Portland to do something about it. So I can respect that under Trump, something will be done. But I can. uh, uh, Well, I, I think you should be rest assured, all of you lefties, that Joe Biden will do nothing. Nothing. Now, here's the reality. Antifa does not like the Democratic Party. A lot of people try and claim that Antifa is the military wing of the Democrats. Dude, they hate the Democrats. They hate liberals. Stop calling them liberals. Oh, it's so annoying. But that's what conservative ink, I guess they call it. They say liberal all the time. They say repeal section 230. It's like, dude, you clearly have no idea what you're talking about. I'm a liberal. Okay. Now, apparently liberals are right wing, at least the ones are paying attention, because if I if I came out and said, yes, I believe the ridiculous accusations against Brett Kavanaugh, I guess that would make me left wing. But that's insane. My policy positions aren't right. I just care about reality. Apparently, that's a right wing position now because, well, reality has a right wing bias these days, doesn't it? Long departure from the days of Stephen Colbert back on the Colbert Report. Now, look at Covington. The, the mainstream media is not reality. Now, don't get me wrong. You've got QAnon people not in reality for the most part. Trust the plan. And now you've got a lot of Trump people not really in reality. Not all of them, but there's a lot of them who believe. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, man. It's just true. I'm getting a lot of people hitting me up with these crazy conspiracies. You know, uh, I shouldn't call them conspiracies, not conspiracies. Getting hit up with like Trump is secretly working behind the scenes on a master plan and all this other stuff. And it's like, OK, dude, look. You can believe whatever you want to believe. I just go off the evidence. Trump puts out evidence about the. I'll, I'll, I'll follow it right on. But I think for the most part, for the longest time, it's been the left that's been in this deluded, paranoid state. And that's why people like me and people like you are talking about these things. I, I actually would imagine based on we did a survey a while ago, most of the people watching probably aren't diehard conservatives because I see what the diehard Trump supporters talk about. They're making fun of me. Like they were posting on the Donald.win saying, we know you lurk here, Tim. You're a cuck. And I'm like, all right, all right. Yeah, I do lurk there, you know, because I go there to see what they're talking about, look for information. And it's because, well, a lot of the times I don't think they're posting absolute truth. (laughs) Unfortunately, they're posting more relevant things and in in many instances, more honest things than the mainstream media. That's just a reality. I got to fact check these things for sure. But the mainstream media, I mean, these, these major corporations are insane right now. Well, here's the news. Former Antifa activist, Antifa hates the Democratic Party. He blames Biden and others who pretend they don't exist for the group's rise to prominence. Gabriel Nadal is a former Antifa member and author of Behind the Black Mask, My Time as an Antifa Activist, is not surprised in the slightest by the actions of the far left activists and called on President-elect Joe Biden to denounce the groups by name. For the last couple of weeks, Joe Biden has been calling for unity among Americans. But you know where he could really start? You could start by condemning the violence perpetrated against President Trump's supporters, Nadalis told Fox News. If Joe Biden really wants unity among Republicans and Democrats, he needs to stand strong with the American people and call Antifa out by name. But he's probably not going to do that because he's been on record already saying 
that it is just an idea and he doesn't want to admit that he lied. He's correct. Gabriel is correct. Biden could do that. Biden won't do that. Biden is not interested in unity. And worse still, Biden won't even just tell them to stop. That's it. Biden could come out and say, these Trump chumps, these ugly chumps, tell them, but stop being violent. That's it. He won't. Trump would. Biden won't. That means that not only is he not going to be the president of unity, it means that he's going to stand idly by as violent lunatics stomp people and beat people, even children and women. In New York, in the Jews for Trump caravan, some woman, I think it was a woman, pepper sprayed children. Remarkable. Just the the depravity of these people. And then in D.C., much the same. Little girls crying. People, a woman being punched in the back of the head. A man being decked, knocked to the ground. And the left putting out propaganda after propaganda. You may have seen we did a segment on IRL about Andy No. He put out a video of a guy getting sucker punched. Then everyone said, Andy's not showing you the full context. Look, this guy started it. Then they put up this clipped video where it shows this guy walking up and swinging at somebody. And then the full video was that Antifa had been stalking and beating and harassing several people, a family, and this guy intervened to defend them. That's the name of the game. The far left is nuts. They don't like Biden and Biden won't do anything about it. You know what? It's not true that Antifa are the enforcer of the Democratic Party intentionally, but the Democrats certainly love what they are doing, attacking and threatening and beating Trump supporters, making sure the Trump supporters are too scared to speak out. And you know what? Guess what? It's true. The secret Trump voter, the cowards who would not stand up and let everyone know that they were fighting to get Trump elected. I think it's funny because there are people over on the Donald.win, the Donald subreddit, that were saying, like, Tim thinks he's so big, you know, when he tells people to stand up and speak out for Trump. But then, you know, Alex Jones gets banned from his show or whatever. I'll tell you this. When they took down the Alex Jones podcast from Timcast IRL, I immediately invited I would say almost immediately invited back Alex and Michael to come on the show. And I said, I'm going to do it again. They were looking for a reason. I appealed. I said, put it back. They said, we'll see. But YouTube hard took the video down. I can't just snap my fingers. And if I re-upload it, that's losing the fight because I need them to say, "Okay, we were wrong to reinstate this. Just getting myself banned doesn't make sense. I'm trying to win. Right. But. Other than that, I said, we'll do another show. How about that? But I'll tell you this. It is easy to stand up. And if you didn't and you were scared, then if Trump doesn't win this, this this political battle he's in right now and it's looking slim, well, then I got to say the first people that should be accepting fault are those who were too scared to speak out. Now, I get it. Antifa threatened your home. They threatened your your safety and your family. I understand. I understand why you're scared. I, I understand why you did it, why you hid. Just rest assured, now they're going to be empowered because you did. It only made them stronger. Perhaps that was your last chance to stand up, or maybe Trump will pull, you know, will pull through this one. We'll see. I'll leave it there. I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes. Stick around, and I will see you all shortly. Our media world is fracturing beyond all repair. It's worse than I've ever seen. There was always some semblance of an overlap in the disparate realities, but now it's gotten so insane I don't know what to expect. Uh, just people living in different worlds. I tell you this. People who believe Donald Trump won in a massive landslide. I'm seeing people tweet Trump won and everyone will find out. Perhaps that doesn't seem to be the case based on what all the other media outlets are saying. And there's my bias. Yeah, 
I absolutely am more willing to trust the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Associated Press, the Wall Street Journal than Trump supporting, you know, like Trump outlets. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe these outlets are wrong. I will tell you this. As much as I'm more willing to trust them, I call them out all the time. While they are now projecting that Joe Biden won, and that's sure they can project whatever they want. I don't think they should be calling him president elect. That's the weirdest thing about all this. The fact that Trump is disputing this. Trump is in court. You can make fun of him all you want, but he's not conceding. So the race isn't over. So Joe Biden is not president elect until the results are certain, until the electoral college votes on the 14th. And then if they pick Joe Biden, we'll see what happens on the 20th. I think it's very likely going to be him, but it's weird the media plays these games. But now the fracture is getting even crazier. Check this out. Sean Davis, uh, I believe Sean's of the Federalist. Yep. Co-founder of the Federalist says, the New York Times is attacking real clear politics for saying Pennsylvania, where Joe Biden leads by just 1%, is too close to call. Meanwhile, the New York Times is refusing to call three separate House races in New York, where the GOP is ahead by double digits. It took the New York Times more than a week to call the state of Alaska for Trump and GOP Senator Dan Sullivan, both won by double digits, and the outcomes of both races were never in doubt. And then there's North Carolina where both Trump and GOP Senator Tom Tillis have larger leads in both absolute and percentage terms than Biden has in Pennsylvania. The New York Times didn't call either race until last week. What's really going on here is the New York Times is mad at real clear politics for not taking a right turn, not not for taking a right turn, but for taking the correct turn. Take a look at the New York Times final election polls, for example, and compare them to the actual election results. Biden up three in Florida, Biden up six in Pennsylvania. Biden up 11 in Wisconsin. The New York Times didn't just shart the bed at calling states or polling races. Check out NYT's forecast of the U.S. House three days after the election and then compare to the actual results. Meanwhile, the reporter who wrote the New York Times' hit piece on real clear politics is the same reporter who claimed the Bible verse, the wages of sin and death, was a secret 2,000-year-old call for Christians to... (laughs) I'm not even going to read that. That's just ridiculous. Anyway, the point is, the New York Times writes, a popular political site made a sharp right turn. What steered it? I love this about news media. Perhaps the New York Times, which is falling into a state of entropic disrepair, is continuing its entropic disrepair, is actually the one that's veering so far left. They've driven off the cliff. And now they're like, as they're falling off the cliff, they're going real clear politics is going so far right. That's what's happening. And it's happening to a lot of outlets. Real clear politics. It's, it's, it's crazy how they're kind of middle of the road, boring, bland, just like regular old journalism. And they aggregate polls, but they're the ones who have gone far right. Now, maybe you're not a big fan of real clear politics. You don't really know all that much, but I tell you this right now. There are outlets that are right. It's not about left or right wing, though. It's about realities. It's about truth. I turned on Newsmax for the first time a couple days ago, and I got to tell you, They actually were fairly spot on in their analysis, and it was much better than Fox News. I'll give you an example. I turn on Fox, and you get, uh, actually, no, 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 we'll throw it to Chris Evans, Captain America. He put up this tweet where he was like giggling like Tweedledum. I got to say, I'm sorry, dude, you you, you, you don't do any research. You don't Google search stuff, and you post this stuff. You look dumb. It was John Roberts on Fox News saying, the Trump campaign has said, that they will not give up until all legal votes are, 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 no, no, he said, the Trump campaign has said not all legal votes have been counted and not all legal votes have been excluded. 
where they run into problems is evidence. And then Chris Evans is like, <laughs> and he posted on Twitter. Um, well, he said evidence of fraud. Here's the thing. Trump isn't suing in many of these instances over fraud. He's suing over process, impropriety, and calling for an injunction in many of these states from the certification process. That's Fox News. They say there's no evidence of fraud. There is evidence of fraud. We have sworn affidavits and whistleblowers, and we have the uh, the voter integrity fund that's actually found at least one person, to be fair, who appeared on Fox saying someone cast a ballot in his name in Arizona and he didn't live there. So that did happen. But for the most part, you see all this Fox on Fox News and the actual news reporters, not the pundits, where they're saying things like no evidence of widespread voter fraud. My favorite is that we just saw from NBC News. They said no, no sign of substantial voter fraud that would have changed the outcome in the election. What they're saying is there's fraud because I ask you, I ask you this question. NBC, did you find fraud? Yes or no? We did not find substantial fraud that would have changed the outcome of it. No, 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 that's not what I'm asking. Did you find fraud? You see, if they didn't find any fraud, they'd say we found no fraud whatsoever. No, they always qualify it. Here's the problem. If you uncover evidence of fraud, shouldn't you then investigate and see if it's systemic or systematic? Yes, they're not. I'll put it this way. Imagine you're sitting like you're, 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 you're on a, a, a suburban city street, sur- suburban block, a bunch of houses, and you see big billowing smoke coming out of a building and you're like, whoa. So you call 911 and you say, I see a bunch of crazy dark smoke coming out of a building. And they go, oh, yeah, well, I mean, do you see evidence of widespread fire? And I'm like, no, but I see evidence of fire. Well, it's not widespread fire, though, is it? What do you want me to do? Go inside the burning building? Well, if you don't have widespread fire, because maybe it's just a little fire. Maybe it's just a stovetop, right? Look, sir, fires happen. It's not that big of a deal. We're not going to investigate. No, you see smoke. The fire department comes out. Guess what? Sometimes it was just someone burning up a roast. Okay, not big billowing fire. Smoke alarm goes off. Hey, I hear a smoke alarm going off. Well, That's not widespread evidence. That's the game they're playing. It is not incumbent upon Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani, or any of these individuals to go and do a full-scale FBI-level investigation going into all of these. Do an audit. Do a recount. Do an invest. They're not doing it. Anyway, you get. I'm I'm going off on a tangent on voting again. The point is, Fox News just won't say it. They won't say it. I turned on Newsmax, and I was impressed. I got to admit, they're biased heavily for the right, but they weren't coming out with obviously false statements. Therein lies the very, well, I guess, I guess what I would say is what worries me. It's good if people have the opportunity to hear different ideas. It's bad when the news media only tells you the same thing over and over again. But now we're entering this world with social media and the internet where people can just choose to live in whichever reality they want. And they do. And a lot of this is fake reality. Newsmax seems to do a pretty good job. And, and these mainstream news outlets, are seemingly doing a worse and worse job. What do we do? What happens when you have people marching down the street who believe that Donald Trump uh, first, his four years were all jammed up by these lunatics who were the Russiagate nonsense. And now they believe that the election was stolen and there is evidence of fraud. The government just needs to do an investigation into it. I wonder why it is that, you know, the FBI didn't do an investigation into uh, or the DOJ into like the claim the woman had from Nevada where she said she watched people bringing in ballots. Maybe it was a dead end. What about all these people, the thousands upon thousands that have been found to have changed their addresses 
but are reported as vote as having voted at their previous address. Is the FBI going to in- in- investigate these things? Time's running out. Why not? I don't know. At any rate, get me off on voting again. The point is, yeah, talking about voting. The point is that you've got a media that is saying nothing is happening. Joe Biden is one. And that's just not true. But what happens then is that these people are told over and over again, the Trump supporters who have the evidence and are calling for the investigations, they say they're the, the fascists and the Nazis. And so then these lunatic lefties show up and start beating random old people. They're enforcing the authoritarian elites will, not the Democrats, but the authoritarian elites. And that's what we're going to get when the New York Times does this stuff. Political side made a sharp right turn. What? They say real clear politics has been catering to campaign obsessives since 2000. It pitches itself as a trusted go-to source for unbiased polling. The Trump era changed its tone and funding sources. What are we supposed to do? Who are we supposed to listen to? I'm sick and tired of the fake news. And I tell you, man, it's been worse than ever. I can't trust any of these outlets because their lies are so blatant. President-elect Joe Biden is incorrect. There's no unity in that statement. There's not been a certification uh, uh, nationally, and there's not been an electoral vote. So the swing states are being certified. Projecting is fine. But you call someone president-elect when everyone's conceded and the race is pretty much clear. We're not there. The media cares not for unity, but they are desperately propagandizing to make it seem like Donald Trump has no chance. Perhaps he doesn't. But even if Trump doesn't, do you think the likes of Newsmax and Breitbart and the Federalists and Real Clear Politics are going to stop calling it like they see it and saying what they think is true? No. That means... We're seeing now parallel news tracks, substantial ones. With Fox News, they still follow the mainstream narrative for the most part. Now it's Newsmax and people are leaving Fox News. I warned about this years ago, uh, parallel economies and parallel realities. It's no longer one screen with two movies on it. You see, that's what what it used to be. We'd all read the news and we'd see something different. Now it's straight up two different screens and on it, they're both pointing the finger saying the other guy's the bad guy. I think it ends in, uh, I think it ends badly. I'll leave it there. Let's talk about voter fraud, though. I got a big update. Next segment coming up in just a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. I'm not sure we're going to get a satisfactory resolution to the voter fraud problem, because no matter how much evidence emerges, they just keep saying, but there's no evidence of widespread voter fraud. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do the analogy again, because I want to make it very simple for anybody who hasn't heard this. It is not the responsibility of Trump and his legal team to do a full scale investigation of the voting process or an audit. They call for an audit based on evidence to see if there is widespread voter fraud. But the media keeps saying no evidence of widespread voter fraud, no evidence of substantial voter fraud that could have changed the outcome of the election. There's no evidence of widespread voter fraud because you're ignoring the actual evidence of fraud. Here's the story. From just the news, two charged in Los Angeles for submitting thousands of fraudulent voter registration applications. The fraudulent applications were allegedly on behalf of homeless people. What's that? We've caught more fraud? Okay, let's do the analogy. Let's say you're walking down the street. You're in New York City when all of a sudden you hear a fire alarm. Wank, wank. Oh, you're like, oh no. So you call 911. I hear a fire alarm going off inside this building at 123 Fake Street. And the 911 operator goes, well, is there widespread evidence that there's fire in this building? Like, is the building burning down? And you're like, well, I mean, I don't see any fire or anything. 
But there is the alarm going off, which is a sign or indication there may be a fire inside. And they say, we're not going to call the fire department to come out just because the alarm's going off. Let me know if you find widespread fire inside the building. In reality, they would say the alarm's going off. We'll come out. And guess what? I've been in New York when these things have happened. And guess what? I'm in a building and the alarm goes off and I quickly get out of the building. And all these other journalists, when I was working for Fusion, stayed. The fire department runs in full speed. Turns out, false alarm. There was a sign or indication a fire may be happening. They investigated and found nothing. We were all satisfied with the results. Flicked the switch off to reset the alarm and then everything was fine. Or whatever they did. I don't know how the alarm stuff works. I'm assuming there's like a reset button. Right now we have, I don't know, this evidence right here. We also have this from Matt Brainerd of the Voter Integrity Fund. He says, unreturned ABS analysis for Pennsylvania. Among 1,706 respondents, 556 said they never requested it. Of the 1,137 who did, 453 said they mailed it back, yet the state did not receive or count them. That is evidence of some kind of systemic problem. Now we need an investigation, a recount, an analysis. They won't do it. In Wisconsin, they're saying Trump's got to pony up like $8 million if he wants a recount. Okay, Matt, you really got to do Wisconsin because I think he is. He says it's coming out Wednesday because it should not be on Trump to pay for a recount if they find evidence that you screwed this up. And that's where things get freaky. But I don't know how many times it's got to be said. It is now the responsibility of the DOJ, of the proper of, of the proper authorities to do the investigation because the probable cause and the evidence is right in front of us. So, no, we can't say there's widespread evidence because we haven't had an institutional investigation thus far. Matt says unreturned ABS calls for Georgia, Nevada, Michigan, Wisconsin and AZ will be out uh, out of the field tomorrow night at the latest results Wednesday. Initial tranche of GSG funds received from Stripe. So I think he was he's, he issued a correction on the Nevada one saying that uh, Nevada is actually not involved. Minor error above Nevada is not part of the unreturned analysis since they mailed ballots to everyone. He says uh, loans are being prepaid. But this is this is big news. Four hundred and fifty three people in a sample. It's a sample. OK, that's a little bit. What, what, are, we, what are we talking about? Just uh, uh, around a third or so. This is a sample of people. And they found a massive percentage of people who say their ballots weren't returned. How many people received absentee ballots in Pennsylvania? And what percentage can we then extrapolate? This is evidence of systematic failure in the PA election. It doesn't matter what I say. I'm just some dude on the Internet complaining about his feelings. But at a certain point, shouldn't something be done about this? I don't know what you can do. I don't know what anyone would do about this because the powers that be will just be and they're going to ignore it and say too bad, Trump. Right now, Giuliani's arguing in Pennsylvania. They're not arguing on this stuff yet. We'll see how it plays out. But time is is, is running out. Maybe at some point uh, Matt Brainerd finds more evidence of widespread systematic failure and thus we can get an investigation. But it's right in front of us right now. He's saying it. There it is right there out of one thousand one hundred thirty seven. I mean, honestly, it's a little it's more than a third if we if we exclude the people who say they didn't request their ballots of those who requested it, 453 mailed them back in more than a third. So what's the failure rate then? Why is it that this time around they're saying we have the lowest margin of error for mail in ballots and absentee ballots? Seriously, it's, it's ridiculous. I'm like, we, we got all the news in the Democrat primaries about the, you know, the um, 500,000 ballots were rejected or whatever. But this time it's fine. Something's wrong, isn't it?
ballots aren't being rejected. Some ballots were never received. It's almost pointless to bring up the evidence staring us in the face and nothing's being done about it. Matt says an addendum to this analysis. 100% of the people in the sample are registered Republicans. And there were 165,000 Republicans in this universe that were mailed ABS, but were not marked as returning them. 165,000 Republicans were mailed absentee ballots, were marked as not returning them. All right, let's do a little bit of math. They say 1,706 respondents were sent absentee ballots. 556 said they were never, they never requested, about a third. All right. Let's go back over here and say about a third of this 165 didn't request it. So just around 50 plus thousand or so, not quite 60. Remove that. So we're dealing with what? Potentially 100,000 Republicans that have mailed in their ballots uh, after requesting them. OK, we'll go back into the other math. 453 said they had mailed them back. So what are we looking at now? Are we looking at around a third, just more than a third? 35 to 40,000 ballots that may not have been returned or counted properly? Maybe, maybe not. We'll have to have an investigation to find out. We're not going to get one. There will be no meaningful analysis of this, in my opinion. Sorry if I'm being a bit pessimistic. I'm not saying don't try and don't fight, but maybe I'm just a bit jaded because the media just keeps saying no evidence over and over and over again. That's nuts to me. Buck Sexton. People who've been mocking Trump legal challenges in states like Georgia don't have a good answer for how 2,600 votes were suddenly found there, uh, suddenly found there that just happened to go two to one in favor of Trump two weeks after the election in a state with 13,300 ballot margin of victory. It's not over. President-elect Laura says, or this, Fulton County voting results in the last four elections. In 2008, Obama got 272 to McCain's 130. In 2012, he got 248 to Romney's 133. These are thousands. 2016, Clinton got 281 to Trump's 110. In 2020, Biden got 381 to Trump's 137. Biden received 100,000 more votes than any other candidate before him. Impossible. I don't think it's impossible. I think people really hate Trump and, and they had, they had a, a month to go around advocating for people to return in their, to, to, uh, to turn in their mail-in ballots. They gave themselves a huge, huge advantage. I do think, however, that if we're dealing with these these jurisdictions that uh, these errors are being found, notably, it's a Democrat district where several votes should have been for Trump and that could have changed the shape of the state, then we need to consider that in heavily Democrat districts, there may be Democrat impropriety, right? I mean, that's a simple thing to say. We're not going to get it. We're not. OK, maybe we'll get it. I want to be too overly pessimistic, I guess demand of people action in these in this capacity. Note, like the Matt Brainerd thing is what we need to be going after. This is the hard evidence. And, and I want to see him present it, lay out the documents, because this is the hard evidence of a systematic failure. My friends, I bring you this glorious tweet from Glenn Greenwald in, uh, in response to Aaron Matei. Let me, let me show Aaron Matei's first. The Mehdi Hassan show in this in the world of social media with no gatekeepers. Dr. Vox says misinformation wins. And Aaron says, liberals for gatekeepers. Glenn says, this is amazing, but not really. There is no more authoritarian species in the wild than U.S. liberals. In every controversy, they side with institutions of authority. They love the large corporate press, the FBI, CIA, workplace managers, editors. They worship and revere authority. Nobody, absolutely nobody has done more to spread disinformation and deceive the public than large corporate media outlets. That's their function. 
This never used to be controversial on the left. Now they have liberal convinced they're the warriors against disinformation. They beg Facebook and Google and other tech giants to regulate our discourse. They think NBC News and CNN are devoted to combating disinformation and keeping us safe from propaganda. They beg for gatekeepers and discourse regulators. They are institutionalists and authoritarians. Yep. And that's that's the problem. So ultimately, it goes back to my pre, uh, my previous segment on media and needing some kind of a different space. Now, of course, Brian Stelter is panicking. He says this is dangerous for our democracy that other people might hear ideas outside of our CNN bubble. Yeah, well, guess what? Here's the good news. CNN is in dire straits. AT&T reportedly wants to sell them because they're $150 billion in debt. And CNN is a money pit. The golden goose of Donald Trump may be on the way out. And then what's CNN going to talk about? Oh, no, they're going to shrink. They're going to lay people off. And it will be the end. And it'll be their own fault. Because as the universe, the media space, channels like mine grow, there will be a thirst for real boring news. CNN gave up on it a long time ago. And that's it. Maybe eventually they'll burn out. And then we will get answers. Maybe people actually will take Matt Brainerd's research seriously. And then, you know, maybe something will be, will be done about it. I don't know how much Trump, how much time, how much time Trump has left. So good luck to him. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all next time.